Hi, and welcome to the Voice of Healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sobolski. Stay tuned for a quick message from our sponsor. In 2016, Dr. Sinksey stated that it took her 32 clicks to document a flu shot in her EMR. That's insane. Technology is supposed to help physicians, and finally one is here that does just that. It's Suki. Meet the AI-powered, voice-enabled digital assistant for doctors. Doctors that use Suki spend 76% less time on documentation. Health systems get happier doctors, reduce costs, Patients get a better experience with doctors that actually take the time to spend with them, and doctors get more patient time, more personal time, and way less time as a glorified data entry clerk. Go to get.suki.ai to learn more. That's get.suki.ai to learn more. We are joined by a special guest today from a company that's making some waves uh, and creating some ripple effect while they're doing it. Uh, their CEO, Puneet, joins us today. Puneet, introduce yourself. Tell us about Suki.ai and start with your vision and how you got it going. Well, first of all, Matt and Reed, thank you for having me on the, on the show. It's a pleasure to be here um, talking about this journey. Um, I, I'll start by giving you a very quick uh, background. Uh, uh, on uh, on where I come from, um, I have all of three years of experience in healthcare. So many of the folks who are interested in healthcare listening and probably have way more to teach me than I, I have to say. Um, uh, my background is Google. Most of it is from Google. I was, uh, uh, before that, I did an enterprise software startup, did some venture investing, uh, which I strongly recommend you not do if you want to actually build a company and be an operator. Uh, and uh, in Google, I was in the search team, then ended up actually running the mobile apps group for a little bit, uh, worked on games, uh, social, which you know has a whole different story, probably a good subject for a different podcast. Um, and then when we acquired Motorola, I was actually asked to run software there, software product management. So did that for a little bit, built a bunch of very interesting phones. One of them, was the first always on voice phone. You could say, okay, Moto X, navigate me to Starbucks. And uh, this was before Alexa and Siri and uh, Google Assistant and other things were even a, a, a you know, a, even idea. Um, and so uh, I kind of saw the evolution of voice and, um, uh, you know, the, the whole voice stack, especially when it comes to listening and ambient and all of these things from the days when it was very early on. Um, and uh, I ended up actually going to India where I was the chief product officer of Flipkart, which is India's largest e-commerce company, uh, came back and thought it would be very interesting to see how to apply some of this voice technology uh, in, in alternative, in other spaces beyond just pure consumer. Um, I had this thesis uh, that the largest, most interesting, uh, influential tech company ever built, ever, is going to be in healthcare. Um, now, I don't know if it is going to be now or five years from now or a decade from now, uh, but, uh, but I do believe that there is a very interesting company, especially with the evolution of machine learning and artificial intelligence and voice, that's going to happen in, in this space. And so that was the genesis in some ways of explorations in healthcare. Um, obviously happy to tell you a lot more about uh, 
you know, how we chose this idea, but that was basically how we got into, uh, uh, into this space and ended up putting together Suki. Yeah, so ended up actually running um, software product management at Motorola and built a bunch of different phones as a part of it. One phone that was probably very um, uh, much well-received in the market was Moto X, which was the first always-on-voice phone. You, you could say things like, okay, Moto X, navigate me to Starbucks, and it would do that. This was before Alexa and Siri and the assistant from Google were even ideas. Um, and uh, so I've kind of seen uh, ambient voice and passive listening and conversational uh, voice uh, from the days when it was barely a technology and not really even a product. And so um, ended up uh, finishing Motorola, going to India where I was running a product for India's largest e-commerce company, came back uh, after we sold it to Walmart uh, and uh, uh, you know, I had this idea that there must be a way to use this trend that we are seeing in machine learning and voice and voice AI and apply that to healthcare. And uh, th there's this thesis that um, the greatest, most interesting tech company ever built is going to be in healthcare. I don't know if it's going to be now or five years from now or a decade from now, uh, but I think it's coming. And I do think that voice uh, interaction, machine learning, and, and some of the concepts around applying artificial intelligence to this data is going to be at the core of this. And so- What a prediction. The, the biggest technology company is going to be in healthcare because there are some pretty big technology companies right, right now. Do you think that one of the major technology companies is just going to pivot to healthcare? Or do you think more that, uh, this company may not even have been created yet, or maybe it's in its infancy right now. I think that if e-commerce has Amazon and search has Google and social networking has Facebook and media has Netflix, then what does healthcare have? And healthcare is 20% of the US GDP, five to 7% of the, every country in the world's GDP. It's always needed. Um, there is no ebbs and flows to the demand for healthcare. Uh, now, one could argue that it's basically a collection of, of thousands of uh, billion dollar companies each, but somebody is going to put this together. Um, will it be one of the existing large platforms? They can, they'll take a shot, but I would probably put my money that a completely new way of thinking and a new um, area is probably going to be the genesis for that. Uh, read. I, I think one of those areas where it's possible is going to be when you rethink the entire interaction model of healthcare. Um, go from these clicks and checkboxes that we do today in 90s style software to just voice, uh, which in many ways is the new mobile. Whatever mobile was in 2005, I think voice is right now. And so, um, so there's something here in this space, voice, the idea of a, of a great technology company that's not been built in healthcare, this density of information input, there is something in these concepts that will probably lead to it. Uh, we still have to keep plugging away to find exactly how. So let's keep going down this pathway because I'm really curious about your perspective here and I think our audience needs to hear it. 
Puneet just said, why not healthcare? What is healthcare as Amazon? What is healthcare as sort of zeitgeist firm where people look up from their desks and say, I've been missing it. So the future of healthcare, the current sort of drive is this decentralization. And I would argue that part of what you're creating flows from this place of check boxes and big buildings and crappy parking lots to get it in your house. It's a little bit more intuitive. It uses some AI tool sets to predict and flow the conversation and it closes it up and there's nobody scribing a note and things are happening. Where are we headed with Suki? I think that um, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful question. You know, um, when I was starting this company, there were a lot of wise people who told me don't do healthcare. Um, and, uh, and, and they were right in some ways. Um, healthcare, it is actually easy to kind of point at the usual suspects and say they are responsible for the slowness of healthcare. The, the fact is that the ecosystem, the regulatory setup, um, the way some of these things have been layered on each on top of each other are all kind of have built this this friction um, in healthcare and um, and and uh, so that it's very hard for companies to break in and then grow. the uh, The starting point of answering this question always has to be, how do you make a difference in somebody's life? And today, the biggest public health crisis in healthcare that very few talk about is the absolute burnout that we are creating for our clinicians. Our doctors, probably the most sophisticated class of uh, of professionals in the country, spend two to three hours a day checking boxes, clicking things, like writing down and typing stuff. We have taken this constituency and converted them into glorified data clerks. And uh, the impact of that is not on just this profession. We know for a fact that there is a study which said 89% of all doctors wouldn't recommend their own profession to their own children. You know, there is an impact to the profession. There is an impact to the fact that when your back is to the patient and you're typing and you're desperately trying to remember everything for patient care, the patient care slips through the cracks. There's an impact in that the data that's created out of this is basically garbage in, garbage out. It's like these stuff that goes into these EMRs and then is very hard to figure out what exactly it means without special efforts. And then there is impact on the fact that then a lot of health systems spend a lot of money to actually try to ease this burden, uh, money that could actually be spent on clinical care and research and things that actually would advance healthcare forward. And so that was where the genesis of, of Suki was, Matt. What is a powerful constituency that has a huge burnout issue, the solution of which aligns with an incoming trend. Doctors burning out because of these 90 style software that they're using and the, the overwhelming burden of regulatory and administrative burden of capturing and documenting these things. And the trend was the commodita- commodita- commoditization of voice and machine learning that's happening. Our kids are cu- currently in, in like, screaming at Alexa to play some song I'm sure we can find a way to use that technology for, so that doctors can take away this administrative work and focus on clinical care, which is what they were trained to do and which is what they love to do. Right. It's uh, When Reed and I speak to experts and clinicians especially, 
um, and Reed, you can speak to this in a moment, which is you've walked this walk, which is super highly trained, incredibly intelligent people just being bogged down and anchored by what they call pajama time and this inefficient UX UI and essentially a data throughput tool that got billed as a, um, as a operational throughput tool that's failed itself. And we've got depression and suicide and divorces and addiction at the highest levels of all time in medicine and healthcare delivery. So here you are, you've created this tool. Tell us how it works. Yeah, no, um, you know, I'm sure Reed can attest to the fact that uh, he spends a lot of time probably like documenting various sections in various places. And there, there is a part of what you do that actually is repeatable because you've seen it before. Um, and, you know, you kind of you kind of put it back again and again and think through that. But there is a part that actually is just your clinical thought process that's unique uh, to you and to the patient you're seeing. Suki is uh, a digital assistant, a voice-enabled digital assistant for doctors. Um, think of it like a Siri and I, or, or a Google Assistant. I say that specifically versus an Alexa because it's an app you can download on your phone or you can log into the website and you can use it. We will take the last thousand patient encounters you have done, slurp it in, take any um, structures, templates, macros that you may have built over time and slurp it in. And we will learn how you document. Um, so in time, what that means is that a doctor could basically tell Suki, hey Suki, you know, I, I saw this patient, um, uh, he had a normal review system. Uh, the physical exam was exactly typical, except that there is um, a particular thing that was different. We, you know, abdomen was distended. I'm just making this up. So don't beat me up for uh, the medical lingo. Um, you know, we decided we are going to do this particular procedure on them, insert my typical surgical consent. Uh, in history, add that it's a 67-year-old who's got hyperkalemia, prescribe, you know, uh, this medicine for this dosage, Suki stop. This idea that you can use commands and almost as if you're talking to a clinical colleague, uh, perhaps a colleague that needs a lot of uh, structure still, and you need to be precise, but still a colleague um, that you can talk to. And then the whole note will be put together. And this colleague keeps learning with every note you do, what your accent is, what words you use, how, what is the alphabet soup of whatever makes uh, Dr. Reed, you know, tick. Um, that, is what, that is what Suki is. That's how we actually have built it. And today we have, you know, thousands and thousands of patient encounters every day that's happening. As we speak in this podcast, probably 30, 40 patient encounters across the country have already happened where a doctor's using Suki uh, along as a, as, as a digital assistant while they're working with the patient. So that's basically the journey we are on. You know, I actually had uh, the pleasure. Uh, I was a visiting professor at Marshall University uh, Medical back uh, a year ago. And uh, the, uh, my host, uh, Dr. Peter Ray, actually said, let me show you this really uh, neat new application. He pulled out his phone, he clicked on uh, the EHR system that they were using at the time there, and he just started dictating, which we're all comfortable as physicians doing, and it immediately went to the EHR system. And uh, it was, you know, it, I was, so I, I've, I've been able to witness this actually firsthand. 
Uh, my uh, question, though, is do you work with only Cerner or Epic, or do you work with all types of both EHR and practice management solutions? And if so, how exactly do you do that with so many different APIs out there? We don't. We only work with um, Athena, Epic, and Cerner. There is a couple smaller ones like Elation. Uh, we we kind of sort of work a little bit with eClinical Works, um, but we don't work with the long tail of EMRs. Most of them don't have the APIs, uh, are very difficult to integrate with, and frankly don't have the platform to actually integrate uh, something like Suki on it. Epic, Cerner, and Athena get a lot of our attention. All of them have the right platform. Uh, and by the way, like contrary to whatever, uh, sometimes uh, they get they are at the end of a, a bunch of criticism in the market. I actually think they're they they are relatively open and supportive and have worked very well with us to actually help us actually integrate with them and and uh, and uh, and serve their customers or serve their users. So, uh, so those are the EMRs we work with. That, that's actually very interesting. We, uh, we, uh, you're right. We don't always hear that from some of the uh, larger EHRs, both uh, Epic and Cerner, that they're more closed off, and it's it's difficult to get their API. So that's great to hear that. Uh, that's not the case with you. I think you guys are certainly serving a major issue because what, as physicians in the clinic, well, you you hit the nail on the head. We no longer make eye contact with the patient. We're looking right. behind a computer screen at all times. And so we're losing a very important part of the uh, patient-doctor interaction, which a lot of people have been enjoying telemedicine because they think the doctor is actually looking directly at them when they may be looking at the computer screen, but they at least think that they're looking. So with Suki uh, in person, that's really happening. Can you uh, walk us through a little bit how, like you said, uh, I speak a certain way. I have a certain dialect and accent from the South and uh, other people uh, have different accents. How, how exactly does your uh, AI learn on that and also learn my idiosyncrasies on what I, on what I may order or what I may, might say? Uh, is everything going to both the cloud and to the EHR system or is it staying only within the EHR system? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the system of the record is EHR. So we basically push it all into the EHR and make sure it stays properly. Now, the the the, lim the limit or constraints to the things that you can stage in the EHR depend upon how if uh, how many APIs exist and how well they work. Um, today, it's enough that at least a doctor can use us end-to-end -end and not have to go to the EHR to do things. There's obviously a long tail of, of use cases that Suki will keep getting better at, but we don't do today because we don't have all the integrations in place. Uh, but core clinical documentation more or less works. Um, the, uh, the, the way the, the AI work, and I mean, AI is, by the way, a much maligned term these days. A dog walking app in Silicon Valley has AI in it. So, you know, everything is AI in some ways. The, the, the underlying technology is uh, intent extractor, something that understands your commands, and, and converts that into actions. Uh, a speech recognition system, something that takes your words and converts them, in, or audio and converts them into text. And what we call a voice agent, something that can take some, when you talk, sometimes you have a command and sometimes you just have a thought. That is semantic versus syntactic. You're basically saying this is a command, but then you could switch over to a dictation, then you could switch back to a command. So a voice agent that can switch back and forth can take all that audio converted into words using speech recognition, and then from that create intents and and clinical data that you can actually 
push into various parts in the in the in the suki app um, so that it's all laid out just the way for example you would have thought if you didn't have an emr and you had a piece of paper and you were just writing the note out and then when you say i'm done it breaks it all apart pushes the pieces in the right places in the emr that is the at least the ideal the intent that we are actually working towards the ai on the intent extractor uh, works very similar to how you would expect a siri alexa or a google assistant to work you know if you said what's my uh, schedule today it will tell you what your schedule is but what if you said hey suki what's the day like maybe it will not understand it and then natural human tendency is you will say well i mean what's my schedule and then suki will say well the last intent that it broke was basically a schedule intent it will map it learn it so the next time it will start working so we have an intent a command recognition uh accuracy of 99.5% which is actually one wow. of the highest you're going to find for a voice based digital assistant in the market wow uh, because it can just learn the long tail of all of these commands over time so that's how the ai works it is that proprietary to suki that uh your data scientist created yourselves yes and then the more doctors use it i will say by the way um that in health healthcare it has very healthcare is actually in some ways easier to tackle from a technical perspective not regulatory technical perspective than general purpose if i have to tell you hey play this song it could be millions of different variations the universe of healthcare ontology is much more smaller so therefore you know there are 20 workflows that doctors do all the time 95% of the time so if you're building an intent extractor it can very quickly get to a very high percentage if you have the right machine learning algorithms and data you know we have millions of patient encounters that have been processed you can very quickly create the data you need to actually have very high accuracy on that you're you're right there there's a much all the data is more bound together there's only so many actions uh Actually, I have to brag. My chief technology officer, Paul Rusin at Cortina Health, was a, is an IBM veteran, and he actually was uh, the creator of uh, MedSpeak back in the yeah. late '80s, uh, early '90s. One of the first natural language processing AIs out there. Worked with Larry Schwartz at the time, Memorial Sloan Kettering, and now Larry's over. Dr. Uh, Schwartz is over at Columbia, but uh, that was there. That was what one of the things Paul learned very quickly is that the radiologist really only said so many. uh phrases and certain ways and so he was able to create that so it sounds like you guys are really taking that just to, really to the next level generation 3 2 3 maybe even 5 already yeah the good news is that if you have the right kind of ml infrastructure you can do in 6 to 9 months what people have done over the last decade um and we are still in the early days of this revolution but this is again goes back to the point i was trying to make at the start read where i was saying the greatest most interesting tech company ever built will be in healthcare um it is a, you know 0.01% chance that suki will be that but you know what there's a 0.01% chance that suki will be that we give guests the opportunity always for a closer so given what we talked about and we're coming to time i know it's hard to believe there's been a fantastic conversation um tell us and our audience from your perspective as the leader of suki and maybe the leader of a large movement that's already occurring here where is suki going to be and what is your hope what's the closing words here from you i think voice is going to be the next mobile um 
and voice interaction creates the density of input and output of data that uh, is actually much closer to human thought process. Uh, what's going to happen in healthcare, which, you know, as we discussed, is more bounded, has more repeatable workflows than most other areas, uh, and an ontology that's understandable. Voice actually is, is just naturally the right um, you know, solution set for the problems that healthcare has. When you actually start attacking that, you're not just solving a burnout issue or an IO issue, you also actually have access to the most of the data created in healthcare is created by clinicians in a structured format. You can use that data and then start attacking not just clinical documentation. One day you can do order entry. You can actually do clinical decision optimization. You can attack a lot of these areas and start adding value for people, starting with clinical documentation as the entry point. So if we are lucky and we work hard and we actually can build something that our users continue to like, um, then there is a shot that we will be able to achieve our mission, which is to rethink the entire healthcare tech stack and make it assistive and invisible so that clinicians can do what they really love to do and are trained to do, which is taking care of patients. So that's my closing thought, which is we are three years in, it's early days still. Suki has shown it's saved 50 to 80% of all time that you put on documentation, increases note quality, decreases claims denials. Um, but we have a long way to go. And these are just the early days of this company. Thank you for joining us, Reed and I today. I'm podcast for the conversation. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure talking to both of you. For the Voice of Healthcare podcast, this is Matt Sibulski and Reed McClellan signing off. We'll see you next time. Thank you.